0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think.
1: Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage.
2: of pick a flick you pick them we watch them simple i'm your host of this evening emma platt and if you listen to black hole cinema you will know i'm the sweary scouse one joining me tonight is chris wallace hello and my podcasting partner in crime chris haig hello i want to sing to you chris right now reunited and it feels so good (laughs) because we haven't podcasted ages I know it's um, been like the
3: Chris thing is gonna be a, pro- um, a point. Yeah. <laughs>
2: well I'm gonna refer to Chris Haig as the Hagster, so
3: That's fine. That's fine, <gasps> mate. It's fine by me. Sorry,
4: sorry.
2: See, this is where it all starts to go up for me and you Hagster, because every time we're together <laughs> things go badly wrong.
4: If it helps, I did think in my head, I'm gonna call you the Platinator, but then I just thought <laughs> that sounds that sounds like a cross between like Gail Plattin and an alligator and I do Ronda.
2: So call me the Platosaurus Rex. <laughs>
4: <laughs> That's in I'm tweeting that at some point.
3: Okay.
2: <laughs> so as okay. usual tonight we will be talking about mm. two nominated films and we will also be doing Dead Meat Dead Meat Dead Meat That's totally not the Dead Meat song but I forgot it. We're <laughs> where, um, tonight we're gonna to be talking about body <laughs> horror films and then we have a Halloween quiz. So mm. it's now time to pick a flick <laughs> our first nomination comes from the lovely Michael Abbott who has picked 1986's Little Shop of Horrors directed by Frank Oz. When asked why he picked this Mike said that it was one of his favorite films. He feels doesn't get a lot of love and he's been pestering me to watch it for a really long time. Little Shop of Horrors is an American rock musical horror comedy. That is a lot of genre there and it is a film adaptation of an off-broadway musical comedy of the same name by composer Alan Menken and writer Howard Ashman about a nerdy florist shop worker who raises a vicious, raunchy plant that feeds on human blood. It's also a remake of the 1960 film of the same name by Roger Corman.
0: You remember that total eclipse of the sun about a week ago? Daddy! I was walking in the wholesale flower district that day. And I passed by this place where this old Chinese man... He sometimes sells me weird and exotic cuttings. Because he knows, you see, that strange plants are my hobby. He didn't have anything unusual there that day. So I was just about to, you know, walk on by. When suddenly, and without warning, there was this Totally eclipse of the sun got very dark and there was this strange humming sound like something from another world and when the light came back this weird plant was just sitting there just you know stuck in uh, among the zinnias i could have sworn it hadn't been there before but the old chinese man sold it to me anyways for a 95
2: September 1963, Seymour Krelborn, Rip Moranis and his colleague Audrey work at Mushkin's flower shop, lamenting that they cannot escape the slums of New York City. Struggling from a lack of customers, Mr Mushnick prompts to close the store only for Audrey suggests displaying an unusual plant Seymour owns. Immediately attracting a customer, Seymour explains that he bought the plant, which he dubbed Audrey too, from a Chinese flower shop during a solar eclipse. Attracting business to Mushnick's shop, the plant soon starts dying, worrying Seymour. Accidentally pricking his finger he then discovers that Audrey Toon needs human blood to thrive. So, what do we think?
3: I love it. I think it's probably one of my favourites. And I think it's because it's a little bit 80s cheese that I I sort of hold on to. I defend a lot of things. Like um, Big Trouble in Little China is a terrible film, but I've got a bit of a soft spot for it. And I think it's the same sort of thing.
4: See, I watched it for the first time for this, and I think I just kept comparing it sort of unfavourably to other films, because this reminded me of a lot of uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, mm. and it also reminded me quite weirdly of possibly my favourite comedy film of all time, which is uh, Clue, which yeah, has Tim Curry in it, and it's one of really funny films. Mm. But it, it was okay. I'm I'm glad I did see it because it's one of these films that everyone says, oh, Little Shop of Horrors and all that sort of thing, and Rick Moranis is really good in it, but
3: I wasn't hugely taken with it
4: it's alright, I just
3: wouldn't watch it again. I think it's a big nostalgia thing with a lot of people because I remember watching this when yeah. I was younger and I can't defend it for much <laughs> except that special feeling that it gives me. No, no there's nothing wrong with that. That's that's completely acceptable reason
4: to like something. You know, It's like, growing up, I was with um, I had a group of friends who I'm still friends with to this day and they were die-hard kind of Rocky Horror fans and it's weird that I watched it yeah. with them once and I'm like, oh, okay, it's it's all right, and I watched it last year with, because it was on film four, and I'm like, oh okay, I get it a bit now, and I get that kind of nostalgia, and I get that kind of dark comedy about it, and that's what I thought of when I watched Little Shop Horror, is that it is comedic and it is quite dark, really, but it, it it does marry those things quite well.
2: I think it is very kind of niche because, like, it has got a lot yeah. going on, like you know, the the musical and the rock and the horror and the comedy, but it kind of. It felt like a Broadway play in the way it was staged. I don't know if either of you got that. Like, mm. it, it's yeah. you know limited yeah. locations and all that kind of thing. I mean, it's interesting that this has got a completely different ending to the the musical, mm. and the original film's got a, a slightly different ending as well. Like, they yeah. both end on a, a much more downbeat. Note, but apparently, during production, director Oz shot a 23-minute ending based on the off-Broadway musical's ending. However, after receiving negative reviews from test audiences, the ending had to be written and reshot for theatrical releasing with a happier ending.
3: Mm, I didn't know that. And I don't normally, I don't really like those sort of things when they happen. When mm. a film has to change because a test audience has said, oh, I wasn't a fan of that. Well, th- you didn't write it. So you're sort of yeah. taking it apart to fit...
4: Do you know, weirdly, I saw the version that had the downbeat ending. I didn't see the um, upbeat ending, which might actually affect why I don't like it as much, I guess, because I'm a big happy endings fan. I'm like, oh, yes, I want everything to... It doesn't have to be a neat build, but I'm like, okay, as long as, you know, these things happen and there's some kind of hope or happy ending at the end, then I'm much more inclined to think positively about a film. So the fact that I saw the one where basically it all goes to shit. <laughs> and it's done, mm. it, it, it's played kind of comedy Godzilla style, really, at the end. Yeah, it's, it's it's like a dark comedy Godzilla thing in the the plant, Audrey 2, kind of just sprouts and just goes on a rampage and yeah. And, uh, it's one of those weird things that I have heard that they did change the ending a lot and it would be interesting to sort of see how it, f- how it fares like if you did like a test group of audience and said, this is what the real ending is, which is the darker one, and then showed them the positive one and see which one they viewed better or which one they enjoyed more. So.
2: Producer David Geffen, who was actually one of the original producers of the off-Broadway show, wanted Steven Spielberg to executive produce and Scorsese to direct. And Scorsese. Ah. So Scorsese wanted to shoot the film in 3D, but Pans fell through. And Scorsese's first 3- 3- 3D film wouldn't be until 25 years later with Hugo. John Landis was also approached to direct, and hmm. Frank Oz was actually finishing work, work on The Muppets Take Manhattan at the time, and hmm. he rejected it. And as well for Caston, they originally wanted Cindy Lauper for Audrey, and Barbara <laughs> Streisand was rumoured to be offered a part. Wow. Okay.
3: That could have been a vastly different film. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Imagine that. I know, um,. Bill Murray's character was originally played by Jack Nicholson in the original one.
3: I can see oh. that. Mm. Yeah, so can I. Mm. Um, I did love that Bill Murray cameo thing. though. Yeah, That's probably my favourite bit. <laughs> yeah. When I look at it from an outside perspective, even though I do love this film, that bit alone is is, is fantastic. And that song, the dentist song, I think is probably my favourite bit. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I like the bit when Audrey's trying to talk about how where she met Steve Martin's character. And she's like... You know, I was wearing this club and I was wearing cheap and tacky clothes. Not nice ones like the one I'm wearing now. <laughs> she cracked me up and that's the... The, the she, Yeah, yeah. She's kind of annoying, though. I know, <laughs> I know she's kind of, like, based on... Oh. I get the feeling like she's a Jane Mansfield, Marilyn Monroe kind of Jackie Kennedy kind of thing going on. But I just... Uh, I don't know
3: how she reaches those sort of levels.
2: No. <laughs> it actually grossed. 38 yeah. million at the box office. But it was actually considered to be an underperformer because I think the budget was something like twenty-five million as well. So
4: oh, really? So it only just got older. The... Yeah, oh. yeah.
2: It didn't become didn't become a big hit until it was released on home video in nineteen
3: eighty-seven. Which is also oh, it became like it's a cult cool classic. classic. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think... That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, I think it's the cult classic thing is probably what's kept it in people's minds, mm. and they always recommend it to people. And it's not for everyone. I think you have to be in a certain place at a certain time to get the most out of it i mean it's, it's a hard film to recommend to people yeah. same as rocky horror like you said
2: as part of the film's promotion the audrey two plant was occasionally interviewed in character by the press on at least one occasion the interview concluded with audrey <laughs> yeah. eating the interviewer Oh, i like that that's, that's quite it's awesome. a nice little gimmick isn't it yeah you don't kind of see yeah. that kind of thing anymore unless it's like the muppets you need do you see the Muppets yes. being interviewed on tv don't you? you don't really kind of see that it's a nice
4: little, a nice little, story, little way, yeah. Yeah. Nice little way yeah. to market the film
3: and put it in people's heads.
0: Hmm.
4: That's my favorite thing about the Muppets is that people interview them and they refuse. To... No, it's like the believe Christmas is something to believe. Oh yeah, no, it's just Miss Piggy, and it's like obviously it's a puppet, but no one's refusing to that <laughs> sees anything other than an actual prima donna pig, and I love it. In that everyone just gone, yeah, I'm just going to interview her, you know, on the red <laughs> carpet, and I, I love it. I think it's the best thing when you have that kind of optimism and you know, lack of cynicism about it. They're like, I could just be a really real dicker and yeah. say, Oh no, it's, it's just a puppet. It's like, no, I'm actually gonna torch this person. Yeah.
3: There's a real, real connection to her character.
4: Yeah, exactly. It's huge. So yeah, I'm always really happy when I hear stuff like that. Like the idea that Audrey Two is just just a real just a real blank going, Yeah, no, um it was really interesting. I loved filming so <laughs> with Rick's I love the musical numbers. Um, next in my career, I'm going to be, you know, a Plenty Jumanji or, you know, something <laughs> like that. And I'm like, i like, it I think it's really cute.
2: question about Little Shop of Horrors, if you look back at the original, the 1961, and um, like I said, it was mm-hmm. made by Roger Corman, who was, like, renowned for making, like, really cheap, quick films. He apparently could, like, produce a film in, like, nine days. And the original, Little Shop <laughs> of Horrors, was made in two days and one night. For (laughs) $30,000. He reused the sets from A Book of Blood. And it was distributed distributed as the B movie in a double feature with Mario Barber's Black Sunday. Wow. Wow. It's a bit crazy because I think the original is meant to be much more like kind of shaky and like, you know, a little bit rough around the edges. This one is obviously going to be much more polished. So I'm wondering if they've lost kind of some of the, the charm or you know, some of the essence from the original, because this one's obviously going to be more glossy and things. It'd be quite yeah. interesting to compare the two, I think.
3: Yeah, you can see things like that. I mean, like, with the sets being more basically just one big set, um, the low-budget thing would have worked for that. But then they have put, yeah, a gloss over it, which maybe has taken away some of its heart. Yeah, perhaps.
4: I mean, it's weird that you mentioned that because it was obviously Frank Carlson who, who directed it, when he, and I only know this because I love the original, and I have seen the... New version is you know the Stepford Wives because oh, yeah. Frank Oz directed the sequel or not the sequel the remake. Is it the one, one you with you Nicole Kidman? Because, yeah, Nicole Kidman and um, is it Bet- yeah Bette Midler and Glenn Close and all that sort of thing. And if you compare them side to side, the first one is infinitely better because it's actually scary. The second one is pure camp, really, and it's really funny. If you look at Frank Oz and that, and you think there's none of the darkness there that he kind of had when remaking Little Shop of Horrors. So it's, it's kind of interesting how, if you look at one filmmaker's career from both sides, how it goes from like, oh, okay, if I'm remaking something, I'll do it a bit more kind of dark, or I'm just going to go straight to, like, high camp, or that sort of thing.
2: Apparently, I've just... Eddie Murphy was originally going to voice Audrey 2. <laughs> no. <laughs> mm-hmm. that would have I That would have been interesting, but then, obviously... Eddie Murphy nowadays yeah. he's, he's known for like Donkey. Can you imagine
4: comparing this to Donkey from Shrek? Oh, he's Mushu in Mulan. Oh, so I'm just like, oh, okay. I love Mulan. That's the other reason I know. That. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I don't know. It would have been a bit. It it might have worked. I don't know. Because around around that time was when he was really kind of coming into his own and being the funniest man in Hollywood. So I can I can maybe see it working.
3: Yeah. It might have made him do a bit better if um his name was attached to it. Yeah. Was that around the same time as Beverly Hills Cop? I can't
2: 1986 really...
3: it was, It would have been, yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah,
2: it was around the same time. It would have been interesting. I mean, I I love musicals. I've got a real soft spot for a good musical. And I, I, I really enjoyed this. And it's got kind of all the things I look for in a musical. Like, the songs that stick with me. Like, I've been singing Suddenly Seymour in my head all day. So <laughs> that's exactly a good one. kind of sticking power. Hmm. Good, but I think I would have been interested to see the, the downbeat ending though more so than yeah. the happy ending but that's because I'm a miserable bitch really I want to <laughs> see people suffer
4: <laughs> it, it is out there the version I saw was the downbeat ending so it is out there and you can just like
3: YouTube um,
2: so final thoughts on Little Shop of Horrors
3: I, I love it, yeah. I would recommend it to people if they like, if, they, if they're a big musical fan um, I wouldn't recommend it to a horror person no. any more of a comedy person Maybe, but even then it's going to be, you know, I'm not going to be surprised if you didn't like it. Yeah, it's like I I went into it as a first-time
4: viewer and I was like, it's a dark comedy musical that everyone seems to know about when I've not seen it, but it it, it, it was fine.
2: Yeah, I I think with Chris, not the Hagster, Chris, (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of a stretch to call it horror. I mean, I understand Mm. what else are you going to define a film that's got a blood plant in? But it's, it's not, it's horror yeah. light, isn't it, really?
3: But that yeah. bit with the blood in the finger, that was a little bit gross. <laughs> <Yes. So.
2: laughs> but I, I think the devel- development of it, because it was a film, then an off Broadway play, then a film again, that's really interesting to see kind of the the way it's evolved over all those times. And you could kind of, I don't know, almost say that the ending changed to reflect, you know, kind of society at a time. Maybe in the 1960s, they were more open to a downbeat ending because, you know, people still have, like I don't know the war and stuff in the back of their heads and
3: it would be interesting to see them remake it not that I'd want them to ever do that but how they would treat it now as opposed to in the late 1980s
4: maybe uh,
2: yeah. Orgy would become like a Vine star that's <laughs> quite, I, like, I like that, that.
4: <laughs> Instagram model yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> hashtag
2: oh, no filter fuck. so that's the Little Shopper Horace. thank you Michael Abbott, for your nomination much appreciated And now we are moving on to Dead Meat. Dead Meat, Dead Meat, Dead Meat. If you haven't listened to one of our podcasts before, Dead Meat is a section where I talk shit about horror films. So this week we are talking body horror. Originally I was going to talk about monster films, but I am writing my master's dissertation on monster films, and if I have to think about monsters or Final Girl one more time, I'm going to (laughs) smash something up because I'm sick of it. (laughs) so a little change of pace and also a little bit of a you know going back in time for me because i wrote my undergraduate thesis on body horror so we ask ourselves what is body horror well the answer to that question is body horror films are films where horror specifically comes from some sort of mutilation or deformity or changes taking place in a character's body simple easily defined now Some people have different versions of what body horror is. Personally, I think you can include things like zombie films. The horror doesn't necessarily come from, you know, you turning into a zombie. But if you think about it, the fear is that you will get bitten and turned into a zombie. You're not worrying about what's going on with the actual zombies in the big crowd. But you yourself are worrying about, well, if I get bitten, I'm going to turn into one of them. And it's, you know, it's a worry about loss of control. It's about being invaded, I think. And I think that's a, something that's prevalent in a lot of body horror. Um, like, um, a really good one is John Carpenter's The Thing. The remake, not the mm. original Thing from Another World. That is, like, such a, a beautiful example of what this sub is. When I was talking about it, I talked about it really coming down to the frailty of the flesh. You know, people walk around thinking they're indestructible and untouchable, But, you know, a little bit of a a scratch from a zombie, a little bit of a, you know, vampire nibbles on your neck or something. You prick your finger on the wrong glowing green ooze and you're about to start growing boils and tentacles and fangs and, you know, craven, I don't know, virgins or something. So, and there's not a lot you can do. when When it comes to body horror, it's obviously very different from like a slasher film where you can face that threat head on. It's physical and you can do something about it. But this is about the horror being inside, and obviously it's linked to the fear of not just death, because horror is about, every horror film is about death, and it's about a fear of death, but body horror is about the fear of disease as well. When The Thing came out in 1982, and that's really when the AIDS crisis was really, like, that was becoming such a big issue. And I think a lot of things, a lot of these films, can be linked back to, you know, when there's SARS or swine flu, or there's, you know, we're hearing about all these horrible cancers and deformities because of like Chernobyl or the plants in Japan, the nuclear power plants. This, the, it's always there in our minds because, you know, it doesn't take a lot for a person to get sick. And there's so much that we don't know about our own bodies or illness, so it really takes away this control from people. And to me, I think it's really, it is one of the scariest kind of subgenres for me because it does have those lack, that complete lack of control over yourself. I mean, if you if you've both seen Cabin Fever, that's a really good example as well. The way it kind of spreads, and you see people breaking down, and it's not just the physicality of it, but it's the men, the mental. The mental I, worry that comes with
3: it as well. I sort of yeah. remember seeing Cabin Fever. Um, who started it?
4: Elijah Dushku?
2: No, she was in Wrong Turn.
4: Oh god, what's Cabin Fever then?
2: Cabin Fever is Eli Roth's first film where a group of. It's got this blonde kid in who does some like slow motion karate and they all drink the bad water and the girl's shaving her legs and her leg comes off with it basically.
3: Oh, I, okay. I, I, will. <laughs> I have not I will.
2: I've not seen that. And the face girl gets infected. They leave her in a shed, and then the dog eats her face. And oh, yeah, it's pretty. It's, it's pretty good.
4: Pretty inspiring filmmaking. Okay,
2: definitely, definitely. These films, as well, they show a complete disregard for the human body. But a lot of a lot of horror films do as well. You know, see people's eyeballs popping out, and you know, I, I that scene in Final Destination where the kid gets squashed by the glass. I think it's in the second yeah. one.
0: Like,
2: yeah. you get the sense that people were just puppets we're in a horror film you might as well just have a number marked on your head and that's the order you're going to die in and the further down the line you go the worse you're going to die so sometimes you can be watching the, like one of these films and think I'd much rather get stabbed by Jason Voorhees than have my throat open into a mouth that talks and it's like feed me, feed me, feed me
3: yeah I yeah. agree yeah <laughs> Yeah, I've never thought about it. I've never thought about zombie films being body horror before, but I agree with you completely. It's like an mm. invasion yeah. of your own body and that's that's horrific in itself. You, yeah. yeah like um, a loss of identity. Yeah, yeah. That,
2: well that's that's exactly what zombie films are, aren't they? They are a complete loss of individuality. It becomes a herd mentality. You completely lose yourself to this this thing. And I think it kind of like that reminds me of seeing people who struggle with dementia um, I, I work with people with dementia and mm. I've seen people at different stages and the worse it gets you completely lose sense of yourself you you're confused you're angry you don't know where you are and then you completely you don't know your name and it's not just that but you forget the things that make you you the things that you know you know I'm yeah. Emma, I'm 28 and I'm a single mother from Liverpool but that's not that's not me the fact that I like Ghostbusters, and I like wrestling and that kind of thing. That's what makes me me.
3: That's kind of like not my soul, but you know. It's the building box of yeah, you. Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
2: And when I think when you lose that, that's one like that's one of the worst things. And I think that's what zombie films remind me of because you do mm. you just nothing. You're just a shambling. Uh, this quote comes from a scene in *Lands of the Dead*, George Romero film. It takes mm-hmm. place between Riley, who's Simon Baker, who, if you've seen the mentalist, and that, and Mike, Sean, who's played by Sean Roberts. Um, they see a young zombie couple walking down the street, hands in hand. They have the following exchange. Mike, they're trying to be us. Riley, they used to be us. They're learning how to be us again. Mike, it's like they're pretending to be alive. And Riley says, isn't that what we're doing, son? Pretending to be alive. So, these characters obviously see something in the zombies that they can clearly see in themselves and i think what's interesting about lands of the dead is that we see for i think it's one of the first times i've seen a film that takes place after the zombie apocalypse when you're trying to build society rebuild your society and the zombies aren't really a big threat anymore That you know they're there on the outskirts but it's trying to find your place in a world where any minute you can die a horrible horrible death and not just from like getting mugged in the street but there's this kind of permeable thing in the air around you and even when like if you look at the walking dead even when you die your death is not your own in that tv series you you already mm. belong to this thing that's living inside you it's you're a ticking time yeah. an bomb and that's quite yeah. scary and i think with all these like genetic testings we've got going on you can find out if you've got the gene for breast cancer if you're going to get alzheimer's if you, i kind of worry that people could think the same way like you've got it it's there and it's just a matter of time so Mm -hmm. i think body horror is always going to be relevant because unfortunately there's always going to be horrible horrible diseases i'm surprised we haven't seen an influx of them with the whole Ebola scare going on and how bad that's been in Africa and things i'm surprised Hmm. we haven't seen something else yet
3: i can imagine that those sort of films are going to be coming yeah yeah Correctly. I think some of them are already out. If you look at... Because um, I've never seen it, but I
4: think that's the premise of the Quarantine films. Quarantine, aren't they based oh. on Wreck?
3: I don't know. Quarantine I, uh... was based on Wreck, yeah. yeah.
2: Quarantine 1 is a remake of Wreck. And okay. Quarantine 2 is, takes place on a plane. But I mean, I think you're, you're right. Oh, like okay. Because the, the, Wreck's quite a different type of zombie film. It's, it's a demonic possession that's passed like a zombie virus that has a very similar effect on Yeah. Me. So, I, I, yeah, I, I kind of think... Don't get me wrong, it takes a lot for horror film to really, really unsettle me and to get under mm. my skin. But this is kind of like... I always worry about getting really ill. And I always worry about Freddie getting really ill. And, mm. Mm. I mean, Facebook and the news is always full of these horrible stories about this this four-year-old boy needs a new heart, this, this three-year-old girl's got cancer and that's something that's always in the back of my mind because i always think i can, I can protect Freddie as much as i can from getting hit by a car or you know being taken by someone but if he got sick really sick i can't do nothing about that and that kind of i don't mind so much if something happens to me because i know he'll be looked after but if i had to watch him basically waste away that That's the one of the worst things I think, because it's kind of a prolonged thing, and I think a lot of these body horror films are really good at showing you this prolongedness of the stages of what happens to you when you get taken over by the thing you know
3: yeah, and yeah. the helplessness that comes with that as yeah. well
2: and I, that's mm. that's something we as as you know just a, a race have got that's something we're really really bad at we don't I think generally we don't like being not in control. You know, we've got, got scientists trying to control the weather and the tides and all this kind of thing. So
3: yeah, but disease is something you can't really control. And in zombie yeah. films, they never say, "Oh, he's he's going to turn into a monster." They say yeah. it's a virus. Yeah, and that, that's mm. it. They've they <laughs> got the virus.
2: They try not to use the word zombie. I mean, the first time I heard it was in *Shawn of the Dead*. Yeah, <laughs> don't say that. It's ridiculous.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and in it yeah. just say
2: it in the Dennis Hopper's character says it in Land of the Dead he says zombies man they freak me out they always got a d- different name for them in a you know the, the walkers in walking dead uh, mm-hmm. in World War Z I don't know if you've ever read them they call it they call them yeah. zack don't they so, Oh uh, oh yeah they call them zack so i mean if if the zombie apocalypse were to happen, and I'm fully prepared for a zombie apocalypse at any moment. I am not.
3: Constant <laughs> vigilance. <laughs> Harry
2: Potter taught me anything. It's constant vigilance.
3: I'll be the first to go. Uh,
2: to what, we all like to think we'd be the last survivor, but... No. I mean, if it was to happen, they would. there's no way in hell you'd see fucking Kay Bailey on Sky News going, and, you know, zombies, they would think of somewhere, the infected, yeah. you know, she she would win that's ring, like,
3: ring and sick that, that day. Yeah. She wouldn't be coming into the studio to do a report. Yeah.
2: I don't think anybody would be going anywhere. I think my brother would be charging <laughs> down the street with a frigging chainsaw screaming groovy, and this is my boomstick. so...
3: have been waiting for this.
2: <laughs> Literally, I genuinely think he has.
4: When it comes to body horror and stuff, I mean, I think of Cronenberg. Because he is kind of like the, the, the granddaddy of it all. There was this awesome, um, you know, Matt Gatiss, he did a four-part or a three-part.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role.
4: That series on horror a few years ago, mm. and he spoke a bit about Cronenberg, and he mentioned uh, a film from what year, 1975, called Shivers. Oh my God, I've uh, seen that. Yeah, and it's um, about a disease that infects people, and it's a combination of aphrodisiac and venereal disease.
2: Yeah, like Cronenberg mm. doesn't go for normal body horror. Yeah, I actually wrote about Cronenberg as well in my thesis. I wrote about Romero, Cronenberg, and the Saw films. And, mm-hmm. like, he did The Fly, first of all, which is yeah. one of the epitomes of body horror. You've got Shivers, like you said, it's a I swear it starts when a doctor mm-hmm. is experimenting on a 15-year-old girl he's having sex with, and she goes back to her apartment and then starts fucking everything <laughs> that moves. Yeah. <laughs> and they all have a big orgy in the pool, and there's all mm-hmm. these slugs, and they all get in the cars and drive off at the end.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and then there's... Rabbids which is about a woman he's got yep. like, this yeah. mouse in her armpit <laughs> <She> <laughs> with it. and then yeah. he's, got, he's got Crash as well which is about people fucking other people's leg wounds from car crashes which is just fucked up mm-hmm. but then well, he that's, has to... that's another thing isn't it
3: that's like a Sex is a body horror staple because that's something else that yeah. affects you, and it's a.
2: Uh... Well, you it can kind its you know, sex has always been used as like a cautionary tale. So you know, yeah. if you have sex, you will get this nasty wormy parasite. hmm
4: mm-hmm. It's like that Mean Girls quote: "Don't have sex because you will get pregnant and die." Isn't there it's just...
2: a film yeah. where it's a body horror film? I think, and the guy his junk falls off; it just slides off. What the hell is it? I've got this image in my head. Isn't
4: that?
3: Back. Isn't that? Planet
2: Terror, Robert Rodriguez. That's when his dick starts yes! falling off. Yes, that's what I was thinking of. <laughs> oh, there up. was
3: another one as well. Do you remember Teeth?
2: Yes, Teeth.
3: That's another. I forgot about that one. It was a terrible film. It was, <laughs> it was an interesting bat-shit
2: mental. So, sex and disease oh. go hand in hand, and I think, yeah, I think Haigster, you've just summed up this section perfectly. Don't have <laughs> sex because you will get pregnant and you will die. And yeah. we, all, we know pregnancy doesn't lead to anywhere good, <laughs> you will have the spawn of Satan. Garry yes, you me. will. I would know. Not that my son's a spawn of <laughs> Satan, he's lovely and I love him loud and he's an angel.
4: I can going say, cause if he hears this in like 20 years and just goes, "Mom."
2: <laughs> <laughs> so this week on Twitter we asked people to tell us what their favourite horror film was because it's almost Halloween. Spooky, 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 spooky. So, I did hand motions Mm -hmm. then for Spooky, 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 but no one saw them. So, the Countdown Pod... (laughs) And for
3: that, I shall ever be
2: sad. On Twitter, the Countdown Pod, nominated John Carpenter's The Thing. Still can't beat it after all these these years. I actually saw that when I was like seven or eight. My nan took me to my great aunties for New Year, and they were all watching The Thing. And I said, nan, this is too scary. And she said, shut up and play with the spirograph.
4: I love it. It's like, yeah, a spirographic can sort of prevent childhood trauma. Just Just shut up,
2: <sighs> Emma. The film show, said Stanley Kubrick's <laughs> The Shining. AB Film Review, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, no contest. Matt Dawson went for Screen 2. Fair enough. That's an okay. interesting one. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, I like Screen, but Adam Massingham said Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, so that's two votes for that. Louise macarthur Clare said Wolf Creek. And Owen Hughes said, Nice Living Dead original. Well done, Owen. Excellent choice. So, keeping in the theme, Chris, not Hagster, what's your favourite scary film? Um,
3: you know what? It's probably The Blair Witch Project. Because I remember what, again, it gets back to Little Shop of Horrors again. When I was little, I watched that, I was too young. But nothing happens in it. But it's really good at building up a sense of dread that something's going to happen. And that gets to me more than a lot of horror films do if you just get me in the mood to be scared or anticipate in being scared, I find that more horrific than someone jumping out and stabbing a load of people. That's for me. That, that, yeah, that's the one. Hey, because I already know yours, but tell us again.
2: <laughs>
3: Last time I picked three,
4: because I really couldn't decide. Yeah, but, but to what... that, those are my favourite horror movies, not the scariest ones. So the one, it's like I've seen a movie, and I know you'll hit this because you mentioned it, but it's a movie called The Final Girls recently. <laughs> And it's the only horror movie I swear that has had me in tears because it's so emotional. I've never been that emotionally affected
0: <laughs> by a horror
4: movie before. I'm like, oh no, no, no! It's generally a lovely film. It's a lovely, lovely slasher film, and I don't know how else to describe it. <laughs> no, sure, it's all—it's all about. It's all about grief and abandonment and, you know, the joy of horror movies, and it's just... It's beautiful. Go see it. But In terms of the scariest one, the one that genuinely terrified me as a teenager is uh, The Exorcist. It's a classic choice. Because it just got to that weird part of me that had been raised uh, Christian, and it just kind of sent a creepy little thing up my spine when I was watching it on my own um, at Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> and just the idea of... not Yeah, it wasn't like the green puke or anything. It was more the...
3: Um, the religious aspect. What's the line? It's the. It was notorious, <laughs> notorious for this as well. Like yeah. anybody that came from even a little bit of a religious background, it might not be yeah. now, but it was that film. You don't know. You can't watch that. You're not supposed to watch that. Yeah. And yeah. so it got it gained that sort of. <laughs> well. That's three. Yeah.
2: My mom mm. had a very similar reaction to you, Chris. There's actually a blog post about it. Online now at pickaflick.com. dot <laughs> com. My mum was raised Catholic and she will not allow the exorcist in the house because she truly believes that mm. it's evil. Like, and she watches mm. like yeah. she watches horror films. She watches The Omen, Rosemary's Baby, and she was like, "Her point was, you just don't mess with this kind of thing because to her, anyone can be possessed by the devil. It's an actual proper yeah. thing that could happen. And to me, I yeah. just go, eh, stupid. But to her, this is that's the worst thing. So.
4: Oh, yeah, that's genuinely what scared me is that because I was kind of religious, like my parents are kind of religious as well. But growing up as a teenager, it's the idea that out of the corner of your eye in the shadows, something could be there. I mean, there's that line that genuinely still creeps me out to this day, which is about can you help a poor altar boy out, father? Or it's something along those lines, and it still freaks me out to this day because it's the idea of evil can be in anywhere, in anyone. And it brings up something that terrifying and it just ooh, it still gets me to this day. So, yeah, that's my new one.
2: <laughs> Let us know what your favourite scary movie is. To... Pick a flick pod. Just, you know, let's get the conversation going, people. Let's do some talk. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have a favourite horror film because I'm quite frankly sick of talking about horror films Not this, on this <laughs> podcast, I love doing dead meat but <laughs> as I've said if I have to read any more about monsters, I'm going to lose my freaking mind Write about <laughs> something you love Emma, stupid fucking
3: asshole. <laughs> right
2: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen it's now time to pick a flick The second nomination of the evening comes from The Ginger Prince, who you can find on Twitter at TGP73. He's also got a blog as well, if you want to check that out. The link is in his Twitter profile. And he has picked 1979's Phantasm. And his reasoning is, Phantasm is my favourite horror film. It's a delicious slice of batshit 70s craziness with some truly great imagery. Thank you for your nomination, Ginger Prince. Phantasm. It's a 1979 American horror film, directed, written, photographed, co-produced and edited by Don Cosarelli. It introduces the tall man, a supernatural and malevolent undertaker who turns the dead into dwarf zombies to do his bidding and take over the world. You
0: had a bad dream. I know you're scared, but you're not alone. I'll take care of you. I know I can't ever take Jody's place, but I'm sure as hell gonna try. Seems real. You know, partner, what we need is a change of scenery. Why don't you and me hit the road for a couple of weeks? Go. well i don't know i guess we can figure that one out when we get
2: there right floor in your plan straight away why are you turning the, un- the dead into dwarves i don't think that's going to work like mm-hmm. why? you can
4: always st- you can always stack them in a trench coat and then it's like surprise more enemies
2: mm, you could i suppose you could or you could throw them at people like a little zombie dwarf bomb <gasps>
4: They're travelable. they do sort of They're launch handed. themselves like little grenades. Mm, That's their yeah. thing, isn't it? Yeah, but hand, hand luggage, they can sneak into cars easier and kill people.
2: I suppose, but if I was going to raise an army of the undead, they'd be giants. Well, It, it makes more sense. It, well, it makes more sense to me, but you know, I'm not a filmmaker. Bigger it.
4: targets, though.
2: So, Chris Hagster. Hey, yeah. I'm going to ask you this, because okay. we, we like our horror films. We do, don't we? Mm-hmm. We do. I had n- yeah. I'd had heard of this film, but only through my own, like, clicking through IMDB years and years ago about horror films. I have never heard anything about this film, and I get the idea that it's supposed to be like some sort no. of old classic, but I've never heard anything about it of
4: you. No, do you know the only reason I've heard about it recently, and I have no idea why I made this connection, but JJ uh, Abrams has named one of the new Star Wars villains after this film. Really? Captain Phasma is named after Phantasm the film.
2: Captain Phasma?
4: <laughs> that's Gwendolyn uh, Christie, Game of Thrones. Yeah. But no, I didn't know anything about this until what? it it came up. And watching it was uh, a very weird, trippy, <laughs> trippy experience. Yeah, I
2: think that's what I would say. It's very... I mean, even for a horror film it's fucking it's very surreal. It kinda of, I don't know. I don't yeah. know if either of you got this, but I kinda of felt like I was a little bit trucked up watching it. And if you've taken a few too yeah. so many yeah. painkillers and your vision's a little bit blurry, you're kind of like, Did I just imagine that a little bit? Like that's the kind of the, the sense I got of it. Um, following the death of his parents, twenty four year old musician Jody Pearson raises his thirteen year old brother Mike in a small town to stay by the mysterious deaths of its citizens. Reggie a family man and ice cream vendor, those two don't go together, joins the brothers in their suspicions that the local mortician dubbed the tall man is responsible for his death. Mike relays his fears to a fortune teller, obviously, <laughs> and her granddaughter about the possibility of Jody departing and leaving him in the care of his aunt, along with his suspicions about the tall man. Mike is shown a small black box and told to put his hand to it. After the box grips his hand, Mike is told not to be afraid, and as, and as the panic subsides, the box releases his grip. The notion of fear itself, as the killer is established, propelling Mike towards his final confrontation with the tall man. So, zombie dwarfs, everyone. What are we going to say about zombie yeah. dwarfs?
4: I, it. I get what people <laughs> say about it being yeah, I get what people say about it being quite visually cool like the stuff in the mausoleum where it's all white and everything. I think oh that's quite actually quite cool for a sci-fi fantasy horror thing but yeah I just it, it made no sense to me like it was just like dreams within dreams and the yeah. last twist and it just I just couldn't be asked with it by the time I got to the end I'm just like I don't, I, I don't care no. anymore yeah, I, yeah, I, I know
2: much. what you mean. Apparently, the original runtime was over three hours. Oh. Three fucking hours. Oh, that, my God.
3: that makes sense because the rest of the film didn't, so they're missing. <laughs> <loads. laughs> it made no sense. Nothing, got, nothing made sense.
4: As, yeah, that makes a kind of a decent horror film, and they just yeah. sent the wrong in. I think.
3: Just went, ah, oh, shit.
2: It kind of had, like, I don't know if either of you two have got this, but it kind of had a little bit of, like, a Hellraiser vibe to me.
3: Mm, yes. 100%. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, and I can't really put my finger on why exactly, but I remember I was telling my dad about it, and he was like, Oh, do you mean that one that Clive Barker did? And I was like, No, dad. Uh, moron. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of like, I, I think it's the spheres thing that maybe. Yeah. Maybe oh, you know? the the but Quidditch bit. That <laughs> the Quidditch and... bit.
3: Yeah. That's <laughs> what that was.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, the original idea was inspired by Something Wicked This Way Comes by Ray Barbary. Cluscarli had originally sought to adapt this story to film, but the license had already been sold. The theme of a young boy's difficulties convincing adults of his fears was influenced by Invaders from Mars, Dario Argento's Suspiria and its lack of explanation influence on Casali. Don't be blaming Dario Argento because your film didn't make any Suspiria. fucking sense.
3: <laughs> I, I love l- Suspiria. I, don't, don't I love Suspiria. 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 The, yeah. only thing, the only thing that made me think of Suspiria, though, was the music, because not because yeah. it's not as good as the music in Suspiria, but because it's constant. Just <laughs> It's just loud yeah. and it doesn't stop. And in Suspiria, that worked. And that whole dream sequence thing was what that film mm-hmm. was about. I don't think this film knew it was trying to do a dream yeah. thing. No. I think this film just happened and people have latched onto the dream aspect.
0: I the
2: dream thing's such a, like, oh, uh, yeah. it's boring, isn't it, really? But, you know, when yeah. you're know, talking about the music in Suspiria, a, I haven't seen Suspiria in a couple of years. There's a scene where there's kind of, like, there's music in the background and it's there's, like, humming, but it kind of sounds like a monster going, mm, mm, along to it. That doesn't make no sense, but I know exactly what I'm talking about. And that freaked me out. <laughs> like, it kind of sounded like there was another voice humming the tune to the the like music, but it was a really horrible voice. Yeah. I know what I'm talking about. But that also reminds me of in *Rosemary's Baby*. Mia Farrow sings the lullabies, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The opening credits at the end. So, yeah. But that's kind yeah. of like both those films have kind of got like this kind of dreamy fantasy aspect. Apparently, uh, the director's mother designed some of the special effects costume yeah. and makeup.
4: Oh, I like that. I just like that she's like, yeah, sure. I'll, just, I'll give you a like it like it's a school project that went way <laughs> out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> like apparently it cost $300,000 to make it. You think that Coscarelli would have just been like, yeah, no, no, I'll hire, I'll hire some professionals, that sort of thing. And apparently, you know, art funding came from his dad and doctors and lawyers. And, and I'm like, "Oh, I wonder if they, just, they saw the film and it's just like
3: an awful Kickstarter. And they were just
4: like, <laughs> oh, we've wasted our money. Just... Yeah, a lot of that money
3: must have went on finding out how many shades of, like, brown they could choose. Yeah. It was just so, it was so 70s, which is fine, yeah. but... Oh, was so I was.
4: It. it went on all like the music budget. They just spent so much on music. They're like, "Oh, this is really great." Shit, we've got to write a plot for this. Shit. All right. Okay. What yeah. can we do? Waltz, Got it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, um, John Kenneth Muir, who I've read a lot of his articles and stuff because he writes about horror, has actually written about the film and says it's about mourning and death. Many of the mm. films, film's fans are young boys aged ten to thirteen. Uh, according to Angus Scrim, who plays the tall man, the film gives expression to all their insecurities and fear. Scrim states that the theme of loss and how, by fantasizing about death, the young protagonist deals with the death in his family drives the story. It's identified as a predominantly male story. Muir des- describes the tall man as embodying childhood fears of adults and states that the tall man wins in the end because dreams are the only place where death can be defeated. Well, that's oh, cool. that's okay. really fucking deep for the piece of shit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Ginger Prince. I realise I've just insulted the film that you like. I I apologise. I'm not another
3: rude <laughs> Yeah. I mean that, the, that little kid. He was really annoying. All the kids
2: yeah. in horror films are annoying. You
3: just want. He looked. He looked like a a little bit like. all right, this might just be me, but he looked a little bit like a young Jodie Foster. <laughs> Did you see that? Yeah. Uh, I can't
2: know. Like Jodie yeah, Foster this is, in the this... Bugsy Malone era.
3: Yeah, I, I, only, I, I was gonna because I've never seen it before, so I watched it the other day and I thought I'd write down a note about neat haircuts. <laughs> that's it, that's all I had. And then there was that bit in the middle when they were sitting on the porch and he was playing his guitar, then his ice cream man friend turned up and started jamming with him. It's just, it was insane. <laughs> Talking about the guitar and everything, I think it's
4: really funny. At the end, it's just like, there's like a twist in like the final five, ten minutes. And then <laughs> yeah. Reggie's just sat there with the guitar. Just not even with anyone in the room. He's there just like, um, da da da, da, da undercutting all this horror thing. I'm just going to play the guitar. Da, da, da. I just think it's such a weird fucking choice. Like, have him <laughs> doing anything. Have him comforting one of the characters. But no, he's literally just sat there like a college you know, like some prick at college who's just like, Yeah, no, I'm being really sensitive with my guitar.
3: <laughs> yeah. I, Let's all sing Kumbaya, the film the just. Folks, which was somehow related to the gate into yeah. that red desert. <laughs> I don't know.
2: <laughs> Apparently, A Nightmare on Elm Street was influenced by Phantasm. And I kind of did think that the, ending, that the ending was a little bit. It reminded me of the ending to Nightmare on Elm Street. In the kind of, yeah. ooh, well, obviously Nightmare on Elm Street's whole premise is, it's just a dream, but it's going to kill you anyway. So this kind of like, oh, it's all a dream, oh, no, ah, man You know, the kind of like, I felt that vibe from it, but Nightmare on yeah. Elm Street did it better, obviously. Totally. It won the Special Jury Award in 1979 at the Avarez Fantastic Film Fest and was nominated for a Saturn Award for the Best Horror Film in 1980. Jeez. Wow. What the fuck? Is 1980
3: a really slow year for <laughs> <laughs> oh, there horror? Was, there was one bit, though, that I did love. Do you remember when he chopped off the fingers and it was all the, the mustard blood was everywhere? And he kept the finger and put it in a box. And he took it back to his brother. Because his brother was saying, he was oh, winding me up, leaving me alone, all throughout the film. He shows him the box, opens it up with this little waggly finger, and the brother goes, OK. Fair enough. <laughs> and then they just get on with it that's fine, that's enough, that's all you need
2: there's loads of sequels to it as well yeah. they even, they're apparently even making another one but there was sequels in comic book form as well it does, I mean, reading up on it now it does seem to have a really, you know loyal fan base mm, Yeah. Uh, just, the alien dwarves bear a stronger resemblance to the Jawas of Star Wars oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah two Star Wars links we, to totally, oh, yeah. we should totally start playing Six Degrees of Star Wars. <laughs> oh, <man. It> just, <laughs> you've got to get from Phantasm to Star Wars. <laughs> like, nobody go, oh, yeah, well, obviously, Captain Phasma. Mm, the Jawas. Yeah. <laughs> even for a horror film, like, I don't expect my horror films to make any fucking sense. But even for a horror film, I was like, this doesn't make any fucking sense.
3: I think the only horror I can think was the, yeah, when the Quidditch was happening and he got <laughs> smashed in the face. And then that weird blood pool came out. Mm-hmm. And then, then, I think he pissed himself. Did that happen? <laughs> that, that's what happened, isn't it? Do you remember, he fell on the floor, and I'm pretty sure he pissed himself. <laughs> pretty horrible. I, nice.
2: I, I think that's an excellent... Thank you, Ginger Prince, for your nomination. I'm sorry that we didn't enjoy it. But, you know, kudos to you for enjoying something a bit different. <laughs> now, finally... I hope you two are ready because it's quiz Bring time. It. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Are you ready? Right, I'm gonna ask you eight questions. First one to get a correct, answer gets a point. And I'm glad I'm not doing this because I'm severely competitive. Are you ready? <laughs> Fingers <laughs> on buzzers. Question. Wait,
4: wait. What do we do? Do we just yell out our names or the answer or what?
2: Yeah, yeah. Because I just want to hear you shout Hagster. Hey, so yes, <laughs> okay. you have to shout out Hagster hey, and. Chris, we'll shout out Chris, he's now Chris, You're your sir, and I need to think right. of a nickname for Chris Byrne, besides Burnsy. Chris Burn, if you're listening to this... Burns unit? No. no. God. No class.
4: B unit. No. B- Sorry. We'll Chris Byrne, if
2: you're listening to this, tweet me with your nickname. I'll let you choose. Yeah. I didn't have yeah. a chance. Right, so, because no. it's Halloween this week, um, and you've been listening to the podcast of Horrors Volume 1, we're doing horror also i know my dad's not listening to this but i'm gonna say this anyway it's my dad's birthday on saturday so happy birthday dad hope you have a nice day and i'll get freddy to share some of his sweets with you right Aww. fingers on buzzers people buzzers ah. okay yeah. question one whose face is the mask of michael myers modeled on in halloween
4: oh um, hickster go on is it like i want to say like ted bundy
2: wrong
3: Oh well chris Chris, I'm just, yeah. I'm going to say Jeffrey Dahmer. No. <laughs> going down that same route. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. Higgs, uh.
2: hey, you want a crack at
4: it? No, because I don't want to cheat. <laughs> I'm, try- I'm trying to think because I've I probably heard it somewhere. No, no, I'm good. I, I can't think of any. Okay,
2: you're
4: going to kick yourself now. It's William Shatner. Uh oh.
2: No. They turned the mask inside out and made the eye holes a slightly different shape, but it's, William- it's a William Shatner mask. <laughs> yeah.
4: Love it. Okay. okay.
2: Okay, question two. Who did Stanley Kubrick not think was psychotic enough to play Jack Torrance in The Shining?
3: I don't think we're very good at this quiz. <laughs> 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 it's
4: these wonderful little bits of tribute. Um, okay, I'll have a Hagster. Crack- I uh, will say.
3: <sighs> Harrison Ford? No. Christian, eh. I guess. No, I can't think of anyone for that one. Did you give up? Yep. Yeah.
2: It was Robert De Niro, and this was after he'd watched Taxi Driver.
3: Really?
4: Oh,
0: <laughs>
2: Robert De Niro in Taxi Driver is not psychotic enough to play Jack Torrance. I just want to let you wow. let that sink in for a minute. <laughs> okay. Mm. Question three: What was Wes Craven's scream at one point called?
4: Hexter. Uh, <laughs> oh. Oh. Higster. Was it called like stab at some point?
2: No.
3: No. Chris. Poke.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs>
3: nah. No. Nah. Scary
2: movie.
0: Oh, shit, no. yes, I knew that.
2: Bollocks. Well, <laughs> question four. Final Destination is based on the rejected plot for an episode of which TV series?
4: extra Go on. X-Files?
2: Yay! Ding, 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 ding! Four questions in. Someone found One point. point. <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> okay. Question five. How many cats play church... The cat in Pet Cemetery. Chris. Chris. Seven. Good boy. Ding 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 ding.
0: That was a yes. guess. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Six. What was the last two horror films to be brought out on Laserdisc? Oh. I'll give you I'll give you a point to each of those.
0: Chris. Go on. Um,
3: uh, Laserdisc, so Hellraiser. No. Nah. Oh
4: god. I don't know when Laserdisc were out. Oh shit. Shit. Okay, alright, I will guess with Scream 2 and 3. No. I don't know. No, I, I honestly don't know. You
0: both
3: give up?
4: Yeah.
2: They were Sleepy Hollow and Bringing Out the Dead. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Question 7. The ending of paranormal activity was changed on the advice of which director?
3: Uh Higster? Go on. Sam Raimi? No. I know what the ending is as well I know how they changed it but I can't think nope no Higgs did you want another
2: guess?
3: I'm trying to think I've never actually seen them
4: I will go with alright Paranormal 17 was that 2006 so I don't know Eli
3: Roth
2: no the correct answer is Steven Spielberg oh he produced it Right. Hmm. Final question, and you know, this this is for the win. This one, it's, it's very, one very close. Okay, all right. What was the original title of Halloween? Uh, Chris, Chris.
3: Oh, spooky night!
2: <laughs>
4: no, all right. Uh, Hagster, I will go with <sighs> is it gonna be like Michael or
3: something? No. No. Chris.
2: Chris,
3: go on. Oh, he stabs, doesn't he? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Unfortunately, no.
3: Nah. This is a very tough competition. <laughs> it
2: really
3: is. It's neck and neck. <laughs> oh, Chris. Chris, go on. Neck and neck. <laughs> <laughs> no.
4: Nah.
3: Uh-huh. Go on,
4: Higster. I don't know something about a pumpkin. I don't know. Um, I'm, I don't I'm know. Because um,
2: this could go on for a really long time. Yeah. The correct answer is the babysitter murders. So ah, after okay. that, this poor performance <laughs> off the pair of the previous. It was a poor performance. I am Kate, sir. Disappointed in you. Really <laughs> the scores are one and Chris Hague won Well done, caps.
3: Well done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're joint winners. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and joint losers yeah. so that is all we've got time for this week I want to thank both Michael Abbott and the Ginger Prince for picking our nominated films this evening I'd also like to thank my guests Chris Haig and Chris Wallace and now I'm going to give them both an opportunity to tell you where you can find them online Haig's hey, well.
4: <laughs> okay um, you can find me online at higher underscore boy on twitter um I co-host the Fan Friction Podcast with Tom East. We are on a little bit of a hiatus at the moment, but we should be back very soon. Um, Fan Friction Podcast talks about all things in fandom and media and fanfic, and um, usually one of us reads out something incredibly embarrassing uh, on camera, so, you know, tune in for that.
3: And I'm Chris, and you can find me at WikiShuffle Pods or wikishuffle.co.uk, and me and my friends... Jack and Phil, press the random article button on Wikipedia and talk about... I
2: forgot to say, the award-winning wiki shuffle. Oh. The yeah. award-winning... Uh, uh... And I'd like to point out, though, I still kicked your ass in the podcast quiz, so... That's a... Well, yeah, there was... <laughs> <laughs>
3: but, you know, I'm not very good at quizzes, <laughs> it seems. That's a the theme now.
2: You can find us on Twitter at Pickaflickpod. We have a lot to get us through, but feel free to send us some more. The shittier, the better. We've also got a website, pickaflick.com. <laughs> we've also got a website www.pickaflick.co.uk where there are blog posts and you can find all our previous episodes which are available on ACAS Uh, we've also got a Facebook page too you can find me on Twitter at Crushinator2 if you want to watch my slow descent into madness for the next academic year come give me a follow because that's legitimately what's going to happen so that's all for tonight remember you pick them we watch them simple bye Felicia